Continue to worship if you would like. If you want to return to your seat, you may. Continue in this vein. I promise you, if you will flow with the Spirit this morning, I will not be long, but I do believe that the Lord has a word for us. And I don't want to get in the way of His will this morning. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 10. He would stand for the reading of the word this morning. Acts 4, starting at verse 10. Thank you, Bishop, and the pastoral staff for allowing me to speak this morning. Amen. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is speaking of the man who was healed at the gate beautiful. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither, or some Bible quizzers right now are, are saying this in their head, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other name, church. No other name. Amen. Praise God for that name. Now when they saw the boldness in Peter or John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them. Another way of saying this in our terms to make it a little more palatable without taking from the Word of God is they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. They took note of them that they had been with Jesus. For just a brief moment, if you'll bear with me, I want to I speak on this, this sermon title, They Took Note. They Took Note. Anyway, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If I was to say the phrase, just do it, your mind immediately starts to think of something, right? You're all thinking, well, most of you probably are thinking of Nike. If I was to show you a picture of the distinct golden arches of one famous fast food restaurant, you would think of McDonald's. If you were to smell the most distinct and unusual aroma, and church, I cannot explain this, it is one of the great mysteries, the aroma of Subway, your mind would immediately recognize it. it is, there's nothing like the smell of Subway, it's just... Your brain knows that smell. This is something called association. We associate those phrases, images, and smells with the establishments that correlate. We have these relationships in our, our mind, essentially. Whenever I smell Subway, my mind's like, oh, yeah, that's Subway. It's this thing called association. When Peter and John stood before the group of elders that we, just, that we were just reading of, it was a group of elders, rulers, and scribes, and they were a group who was judging Peter and John and they experienced this same association that you just did. However, the association they noticed was not a phrase, like just do it. It was not a smell. It was not an image. However, the association they, they had that day was far deeper. What that group of religious leaders began to associate was that these two men standing before him, Peter and John, had been with Jesus. That was the association they had. That Jesus in whom these leaders had sought so desperately to kill and to get rid of out of the history books forever. The same Jesus who had been the thorn in the side of the religious sects of Jerusalem. The same Jesus who John 1.3 says all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. That Jesus who was God manifested in the flesh. He was the Holy One of Israel. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And these two men had been with that Jesus. The council of religious leaders that was standing before Peter and John casting judgment had two men in particular that I want to point out. One's name was Annas and the other... 
Caiaphas. These two men were powerful in the Jewish community. They were distinguished. They were feared. They knew all 613 of the Jewish laws, and they knew them by heart. As easy as we can say our ABCs, they knew the law just like that. These two men had, had, had held the Jewish trials of Jesus in John chapter 18. And when Peter proclaims in what we just read and in Acts chapter 2 that you crucified Jesus, the Jesus whom you crucified, these two men are particular or more guilty than all of the rest. They were the ones who had led the trial. These are the ones that, that waited for Jesus to make a mistake, which he never made a mistake. However, they, they bent the law to mean what they wanted to mean. These men are the two that led his trial, and they would not settle for anything less than death. They knew and they studied Jesus, waiting for the moment they could convict him to death. They were familiar with Jesus, but for all the wrong reasons. And those religious leaders took note that these two men standing before them had been with Jesus. The Jesus they so desperately tried to rid the world of. Little did they know, instead of ridding Jesus from the history books and getting rid of that Jesus who had been the thorn in their side, instead they sparked the catalyst for the greatest event in human history. By killing that Jesus whom they detested, they spread that Jesus to thousands and millions. And today we are experiencing the outpouring of the Spirit of God still because they killed that Jesus. And he didn't just die on the cross that day and that was wraps and the, and the story's over, the book's closed. But no, there was even a greater thing to come and he filled with his spirit on the day of Acts and now today we are filled with his spirit and we are all holding Jesus in us if we've been filled with his spirit they couldn't get rid of him truly there must be no greater compliment for Peter and John than to have someone look at them and say I can tell you have been with Jesus I can tell there's something about you, you, you you've been with Jesus I, I, I've smelt this smell before I, I've, tasted, I've, I, I've seen this image before. There's that association. I can tell there's something different. You've been with Jesus. And I tell you today that there is no greater compliment for the church than to someone to look at us and say, I can tell you've been with Jesus. I can tell there's something different about you, that you've been spending time with Jesus. This is the goal of the church. If we call ourselves Christians, the least we can do is be like Christ. When they see us, they have to see Jesus. It was the same Peter who, who in the Jewish trial of Jesus, that the, that the people came up to him, and I won't go into the details for time's sake, but people came up to him and was like, hey, haven't, weren't you with that Jesus that's on trial right now? And Peter said, nope, wasn't me. Another came, weren't you with that Jesus who's on trial right now? No, I don't know that Jesus you speak of. And then a third comes and says, you've been with that Jesus. Your speech betrays you, Peter. You have been with that Jesus. And I want to spend so much time with Jesus that even when I'm at the lowest of my moments, that people still see Jesus in me because I've been praying so much, I've been fasting so much, I've been seeking after God's face that when I speak, they can't help but hear Jesus in me, that they see beyond me and they see Jesus. That is the goal, church. In the context of our opening verse, Peter and John were on trial for the miracle God used them to perform on the lame man at the gate beautiful. I recommend you go listen to Bishop last week and Pastor Lucas preached on it a few weeks ago and they will go into further detail than I will today. But Peter and John so boldly told the lame man to look on them and they picked him up and he walked and he was healed. Many modern readers of the Word of God who subscribe to extra biblical doctrines will, will read of this story and say, well, yeah, that was for that day. That was for that time period. That stopped when the apostles died. And I want to tell you that perspective of the Bible is completely wrong and it contradicts the Word of God. However, I believe the Word of God, and I believe that the latter reign will be even greater than the former reign. I believe that God's plan for his church was not to use the 12 apostles and then stop. 
But instead, Jesus said, greater works shall you do. I believe that just as Peter and John were flesh and they were filled with the Spirit of God, me and you are the same flesh and we are filled with the same Spirit that they were filled with. Amen. I believe that we used to have the same Holy Ghost that they had. Matter of fact, you know what Annas and Caiaphas noticed about Peter and John, about the man Peter and John? They saw Peter and John and said, we can tell you're unlearned and ignorant. Because Annas and Caiaphas, they, they had you know, been studying. They, they, they went through all this, this education, and, and they knew a lot. Not that Peter and John didn't, but comparatively, they're like, yeah, I can tell you really don't, you don't know much. You know? And, and that's kind of where I relate with Peter and John a lot of times, is I feel like I get the ignorant, unlearned uh, comparison of Peter and John. But what was, what's so awesome is that they noticed that first, but they noticed something that was beyond the ignorant and unlearnedness of Peter and John. It says that that was, you know, they perceived that, but they marveled and they took note that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Sometimes all we can bring to the table is the flesh, is the fact that I, I don't know a lot, God, but I'm willing to be used. And the Lord sees that, and he says, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. When people look at me, they may see the ignorance and the unlearned, but I hope they see past that and see Jesus inside of me. Amen, church. Is that what we're striving for? Is that what we want? We want them to not look at us. I must decrease, as we just sang, but Jesus, he must increase. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of power may be of God and not of us. We're just the vessels. God is the one who holds the power and the authority. So let's stop thinking that Peter and John were greater than we are. They were men just like us. Stop thinking that Peter and John were the only ones who could walk in that authority, that it was just for their time. No, I'm telling you that in the last days, for what, for what God wants to do, he has preordained his church to be here. He did not put Peter and he did not put John here in the church of Omaha today. He put you here. You are here for this hour and this season, and God is going to do great and mighty works through you, not through Peter and John today. You have the same apostolic anointing that they had. It is upon the church today. I believe that the difference between us and Peter, there's not a difference, but I think the mindset that they understood that Jesus was inside of them. They had walked with Jesus. They experienced Jesus. They saw Jesus. They talked with Jesus for three years, and now Jesus was operating inside of them. They knew Jesus. We are a blessed people to have such a deep understanding of the one God in Christ. We know that God is absolutely one. There's no three persons in the Godhead. The Lord, our God, is one. We believe in the Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4. We believe that that one God was manifest in the flesh and in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead. We protect this. We understand this. We will die on this hill. We love the oneness of God. However, it is with firm conviction that I must ask, do we have such a deep revelation of one God, but not one God inside of us? Mm. This is something I have to remind myself. I am the most guilty of all of us here. I have to remind myself, yeah, I understand, Mac. You can defend one God. Can you defend God inside of you? God is not far and gone from a person who has been filled with the Holy Ghost. He is not outside of his any longer. The prophets long for what we have. And what do we have? We have God inside of us. We have the Spirit dwelling in us. Peter understood this, and that's why he understood what Paul would have written in Colossians 1.27. To whom God would make known that what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ around you, not Christ in the other room, not Christ only at the church. Jesus isn't bound to this building. You are the church and Christ is in you. 
However, we have to have the faith to walk in that authority. Mark 6, verse 5 and 6. And he could there do no mighty works, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Jesus, God in flesh, the Alpha and the Omega, marveling at man. Normally throughout Scripture, we read of how others marvel at Jesus. However, in this scenario, we read as Jesus marvels at man. Why did Jesus marvel at these men? Jesus had gone to his home in Nazareth, the place he had spent so much of his life, and they knew Jesus as a boy, and they saw Jesus, and as he began to speak these things and do these things, and they said, is this not Joseph's boy? Is this not the same Jesus we saw? He drank from the same water we drink out of. You know, he ate the same food. Is this not that same Jesus? And they lacked the faith in him that he was the Messiah, that he was God. And it says there he could only heal a few people, and there he could not do a mighty work. Now, I find it interesting how by God's standards, a few healings is not considered a mighty work. This means God has something far better in store for them had they had the faith to receive what God wanted to do. I appreciate everything God has allowed me to see in my life. He has shown me enough miracles and people filled with his spirit and baptisms in the mighty name of Jesus that I have seen enough to believe for the rest of my life. However, I do not want to be content or complacent with just a few, but I want to see the whole will of God and what he wants to do at the Church of Omaha. Amen. I believe that we appreciate all God's done, but we believe that there is mighty work still left to be done if we would have the faith to see what God wants to show us for this day. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. This means I don't walk every day based on how I feel. I don't walk every day based on if I woke up good this morning, if I felt good this morning, if I got everything done. I walk every single day based on faith. I walk every single day based on the Spirit of God that is living inside of me. If I'm fearful, if I'm anxious, if I'm not in a good mood, it doesn't matter. We have to walk by faith. That we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Having faith that God is in you and he is working even when you don't feel it. For God, as 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given his church a spirit of fear. God has not given his church a, a, a spirit of anxiety and depression. He has given his church a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So do not walk in fear, but walk in the power that God has given you. And by doing so, others will take note that you have been with Jesus. Acts 1.8 tells us that we shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Power, power, church. Power, we call to walk in power, not fear. Often we get so caught up with this constant barrage of, of external stimulation. You know, the world we live in, it's constantly we're being barraged. Even right now, I'm barraging you with words, and, and you can look at me. I mean, it's just the world we live in. We look, at these, we look at these things, and this is what we define as reality. But I want to encourage someone that as real as I'm standing here before you today, that the Holy Ghost is inside of you and is real, and he's working in this place. As re- the same word, it's not a different word, the same reality that I'm standing in front of you is that Jesus is operating and moving if we would have the faith to see it, if we would have the faith Lord, help mine unbelief. If we would just have the faith. Lord, help our unbelief and increase our faith to the level of our ask. Amen. I'm closing this morning. Musicians or however we want to do it, if you would just stand. 
I mentioned earlier the story of Jesus returning to his hometown and Jesus marveled at their unbelief. There is only one other time throughout Scripture that it records Jesus marveling. Normally, like I said, even in this Scripture we read in Acts 4, we read that they marveled at Peter and John, and it wasn't the fact they were marveling at Peter and John. They were marveling at Jesus inside of Peter and John. Nevertheless, Jesus is only recorded as marveling two times in all of Scripture. We read the first one whenever he went home. He marveled at their unbelief. However, there's another story of a centurion, a man of the Roman Empire, who was a man under authority. He came to Jesus and petitioned that Jesus would come and heal his servant. As Jesus would approach the direction of his home, the man told him that he is not worthy that Jesus should come under his roof, and that if Jesus just said a word, that he would be healed. And in Matthew 8.10, this is what Jesus says. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. God in flesh, remind you, God in flesh marveled at a man. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. This wasn't a Jewish rabbi. This wasn't a priest who had been studying the law. This was just a Roman centurion who had faith that Jesus could just speak a word and it could be done. I want to make Jesus marvel because of my total faith in him, not because of my lack of faith in him. Our prayer this morning must be the same prayer as the man in Mark 9, 24, who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help me my unbelief. Help me to have the faith required to walk in the presence of the Lord and to work and to do based on what you want me to do. Help me to walk in the apostolic authority you have given the church that others may not see me, that they may not see you, but they would see Christ in you. We've been empowered to go as Bishop preached a few weeks ago. We have the power, but it is up to the church to walk in the power. We are not called to walk in fear, but in the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus conquered fear. He overcame this world. He overcame anxiety, depression, sin, addiction. He overcame all of it, and he gave us a spirit of power that we would not walk in those things anymore. And I'm here to petition to someone this morning. Leave behind fear and depression, anxiety, sin, addiction this morning and walk in the freedom that God has given you because he has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you would just open up and open your eyes to see that those who are with us, who are for us, is far greater than this world, for Jesus has overcome this world. Amen. Why don't we find a place to pray this morning? You pray wherever you are. If you want to come up this morning, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. But let's pray that our faith would increase. Let's take dominion and authority this morning. Take dominion over fear. Take, take dominion over anxiety and sin. Take the dominion that God paid for on the cross for you. Let's pray for boldness to walk in the authority that God has given so that we can show this world Jesus. That's right, wherever you are, let's just begin to pray. Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith for this hour in this season, Lord. I know I may not feel good. I know I may feel fearful and anxious sometimes, Lord, but I'm going to step out in faith and walk in your spirit, Lord. I'm going to step out in faith and know that you are working in me and that the one who is in me is far greater than the ones that are against me, Lord. I know you overcame 